Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 100. Since last week, the WSL has confirmed that Lower Trestles will once again host the world title deciding Rip Curl WSL finals this September, and that Punta Roca in El Salvador will be slotted into the CT7 window in June. Very exciting stuff. The 2022 WSL Championship Tour season is days away with the Billabong Pro Pipeline welcoming the world's best surfers to the hallowed sands of Oahu's North Shore on January 29th. Pipeline has been hosting events since 1971, and the venue has been a staple of the world tour since its inception in 1976. Surfers this season will be looking to put their names alongside past pipe champions such as Jerry Lopez, Rory Russell, Mike Ho, Derek Ho, Tom Carroll, Kelly Slater, Andy Irons, Jeremy Flores, and many others. And for the first time in history, the Women's Championship Tour will see the world's best female surfers take on Pipeline in competition to kick off their season as well. It all starts in just a couple of days on January 29th and will be streamed live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. Also, there is still time to join the lineup's Fantasy Surfer League this season. We have a few thousand teams that we're looking to get back from last year, and we'll be looking into prize giving this season, as well as talking about the best performers from the league in the podcast every episode. To join, go to worldsurfleague.com backslash fantasy, register your team, and search for the lineup pod league in the private leagues, and then punch in the code lineup to enter. Very easy. All right. Episode 100. Today's guest is someone who has accomplished so much at such a young age, it's astounding. A preternatural talent from Florida, now residing in San Clemente. She's entering her fourth season on the Elite WSL Championship Tour, and she's still only 19 years young. She won the Rookie of the Year Award. She's won CT events on the Gold Coast in Portugal and at Narrabeen. She's finished world runner-up and competed in the inaugural Olympics. Despite a less than ideal, or at least less than ideal by her standards, 2021 season, she is resolved for a run at the world title in 2022 and beyond. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Florida's Caroline Marks. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did, I wanted to be world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. Let's <laughs> talk <laughs> 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 
All right, so we have Caroline Marks, Championship Tour Superstar and North American World Title Contender on the lineup. Caroline, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're honored, actually, because, because you and your episode is marking our 100th episode, which we didn't think we'd get to, but um, it's special. But how, how are you doing today? Where are you today? Who are you hanging out with? I'm doing good. Um, I'm currently in San Clemente, California, heading out to Hawaii tomorrow. So just trying to soak in my last day. I've been hanging out with my family a ton. Um, I have my mom and brother in town. They're going to be heading over there with me. So I'm really excited about that and excited to get in some warm weather. How are you doing, Dave? <laughs> it's been cold, you know, and the waves have been pretty fun up, up here in Ventura County. But I, I had this moment the other day where I'm like, I don't know if it's me and I'm getting older, but it just I'm cold and I've got like really good wetsuits and I'm, I feel great when I'm surfing, but I'm like, I am cold. Like, and I went and checked the water temps and I'm like, oh yeah, it is like, you know, we're around like 54 degrees up here and, and that's a little bit colder than it usually is in winter. But I'm, I'm like you, I'm looking forward to getting over to Hawaii here in about a week and uh, just change of, uh, change of surf attire, if nothing else. Absolutely. No, I'm from, you know, being from Florida, it's um, the cold weather is not my favorite thing in the world. So yeah, if I can never put on a wetsuit again, that'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we love it. And it's, um, like you said, the way has been really fun here. So it's cool. But um, definitely looking forward to surfing all day in a bikini. It should be awesome. Well, this is going to drop. This episode is going to drop days away from the commencement of the 2022 WSL Championship Tour um, with the season starting at the Billabong Pro Pipeline on January 29th. This is the first time that the Women's Championship Tour will be competing formally at Pipeline. What has been your preparation uh, like? What's it been like for your preparation for this event in the lead up? Have you been surfing specific spots? Have you been working on fitness or equipment or a little bit of everything? How have you kind of approached the start to this season? Yeah, um, it's so exciting. We're starting at Pipeline. It's uh, kind of crazy. You know, I think coming into Pipeline for me, it's, it's um, you know, I think of, I don't know. I feel like all the girls that are, you know, on the tour now have never really, you know, surfed an event out there. I know maybe a few have an expression session, but it's kind of new for everyone. And that to me, that's really exciting. No one really has an advantage. And um, it's kind of just like a, you know, open playing field and you just don't really know what's going to happen. So I did go out to Hawaii over Thanksgiving and try to spend a bunch of time out at Sunset and at Pipe. And, you know, I think the best practice for Pipeline is surfing Pipeline. So um, just trying to figure out the lineup, even if I didn't catch any waves or, or whatever, just trying to see what the best guys out there were doing and just really trying to soak it in and just get, you know, I think the more and more time you spend out there, the more comfortable you get. So, and, you know, pipeline has so many different personalities. So just trying to, yeah, surf it anytime it breaks really. And I worked pretty closely with Matt Biolas and uh, Mike Parsons as well to try to get all my boards dialed and I should be getting like 10 new boards today. So that's really exciting. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've been surfing T Street the last couple of days. I don't know how good a pipeline practice that is. It's, but It's the pipeline <laughs> of the West Coast is the San Clemente community you like to call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But um, no, I'll be heading over there tomorrow. So I'll be getting there nice and early. And um, looks like there's going to be a lot of days to get out there before the uh, waiting period starts. So that's always really exciting. And yeah, I'm just trying to put my head down and you know, just, just, I guess, go for it and enjoy my time out there and really embrace it. Embrace the challenge because it's obviously scary and new and, but that's exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. It's such an interesting thing because they've been hosting events at Pipeline since 1971. It's been, 
a staple of the world tour since the world tour's inception in 1976. There's never been a women's event there before, a CT event until now. But I think it's one of those spots where the disconnect between the photos you see and the reality is maybe as stark as it gets, right? Because when I was a kid, you're looking at magazines and you're like, that's a very nicely shaped barrel and that looks pretty cool, like standing right in that, that must be pretty easy. And you get there and you realize like, holy crap, like the lineup itself is this living entity, all these people, it's shifting around, like backdoor is an entirely other situation. Have you kind of found, I mean, you kind of said it before where it, the more time you spend out there, the more comfortable you're going to get. But it just feels like even trying to train out there is a, a pretty wild experience. Yeah, for sure. Now you said it, you uh, kind of nailed it, Dave. You said, yeah, when you look at Pipeline, you're like, it's kind of something you draw in your notebook as a little kid. And then you get out there, you're like, this is a lot scarier than I pictured. <laughs> but um, it's beautiful. And, you know, Pipeline is one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous wave in the world. And um, there's a reason why everyone's wearing helmets out there. And it's it's so crazy. But what's really exciting to me about Pipeline is, you know, you could get the wave of your life out there. And that's so exciting and so rad. And it is definitely terrifying. And in, in the, the crowd, too, I think the crowd factor makes it that much more scary. And, you know, there's so many people sitting in like a one little pack. But like I said, I think what's what's really important is just spending a ton of time out there. And, you know, sometimes it takes a few hours just to get one wave. And, you know, if that's what it takes to, to get a wave out there, then so be it. And, um, you know, obviously, willing to put in the work to, to uh, get a great result out there. And like I said, I'm just really looking forward to the challenge and I'm excited to push myself and stoked to be part of this moment in history. You know, there's never been a CT event out there for the females. So that'll be sick. And all the girls are so gnarly now. And I do believe uh, we do, we will do very well and hopefully we have a great forecast and yeah, it should be really fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Well, let's let's talk about last season, which was really kind of two seasons, right? Because we had the non-season of 2020 when it felt like every few months we're like, well, we'll see. We might get the tour back up and that clearly Hurry up and happen. wait. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is the most radical hurry up and wait situation we've ever had. Um, and that kind of bled into the recommencement with the adjusted sort of COVID calendar in 2021. And it's funny, like in prep, preparing for this, like I had the privilege of knowing you for a few years now since you were on tour and I in my brain I knew that you started very young but when I was like oh we're gonna talk she's like in her 20s somewhere and I'm like no she's 19 she's <laughs> it's like she's gonna turn 20 here in a couple of weeks and I'm like well she's so mature this is gonna be great anyway but you <laughs> had a few wild cards your first full season on tour was 2018 finished seventh in your rookie season got thirds at Bell's Beach U.S. Open, Surf Ranch, 2019, huge jump. You finish world runner-up. You win on the Gold Coast. You you win in Portugal. We have the non-season of 2020, and then this really hectic year in 2021. And even your season getting started was was tricky with you know false positive COVID test and getting into Australia. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about? how the beginning of the 2021 season unfolded for you and, and where your head was at once you finally put your jersey on there. Yeah, for sure. Wow. No, it's so interesting you say like the 2020 season. Um, I think a lot of last year at the 2021 season, I was always going, oh yeah, last year, you know, I had such a great year last year. And I'm like, wait a second, that was two years ago. <laughs> um, so it feels like, yeah, we that time, that whole year was not wasted, but um, it just flew by and there was no events and, you know, a lot of hurry up and waiting and 
and stuff like that. But yeah, last year starting with the false positives, definitely never a way you want to start. That's, you know, definitely created a lot of anxiety and um, uncertainty and just like, oh my God, like what the heck's going on? And, you know, I think last year COVID was still like very new to everyone. And, um, you know, it was the first event that we were going to be competing at um, in a couple of years. And I remember like talking with Lakey and, you know, even Kolohe, like a few of the servers around here going, oh my God, can you imagine if someone has to false positive? Like, can you imagine if someone gets it? Like, surely there's going to be one person, like surely, surely, surely. And um, yeah, sure enough, I was that one person. Um, and <laughs> I'm grateful no one else tested positive. And, you know, obviously I'm grateful it was a false positive, but yeah, pretty, pretty wild. I was just so thankful that I was able to to get there and thankful that I was able to make all those events, you know, cause you know, to be honest, when I tested positive, I was like, Oh, like I'm screwed. Like my whole title season, my whole year, like I might as well just, I was like planning on going to Indo and just working on my surfing and, and just seeing like, all right, I guess I'll just make a movie this year or do something different. Cause my, my competitive season for a world title is out the window. You know, obviously I'll do events after Australia, but as far as winning a world title, which is obviously, you know, my goal is, is just like, I can't do it if I'm missing half the season. So just grateful I was able to get there. And I think that whole experience just made me really appreciate, um, the little things. Like I remember I was in quarantine writing down, like just feeling, you know, feeling my toes in the sand and giving my friend a hug and, you know, going out for a coffee, like going outside, like things like that. So, and it just made competing that much more special. And I think that win in Narrabeen was like, a pretty emotional one for me just because I, I kind of just all that stuff, you know, I went through and, um, you know, getting there late and then quarantining and still being in quarantine when everyone else was out surfing and missing the flight and all those things. But yeah, I just, it just made me that much more grateful and that much more fired up. So definitely, yeah, wild, wild way to start the year, but, um, it ended up working out. So that's cool. It, it's interesting. Right. And I, I wanted to get into this with you as well, because, because you were, you are still such a preternatural super talent, right? Where you qualified very, very young. And I, I, you hear this all the time with young athletes, regardless of what sport they're in. And when they come on, everything's fresh and there's not really a ton of pressure because you're like, well, it's all kind of a bonus. I'm, I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to surf my best or I'm going to compete my best or whatever it is. And it felt like you kind of touched on it. Like that trajectory for you is like seventh and then runner up and then all of a sudden you're the North American title contender, you know? And it's like, well, 2021, I'm here to win a world title. And then getting that false positive, kind of having the the mental approach and the psychological approach to your season upended a little bit, right? Where you're saying, well, if I can't make it to Oz, I'll go to Indo and I'll just train kind of thing. But the, the world title's off the map. Obviously you rallied and had that great win in Narrabeen, but even the way the season unfolded, where everyone wakes up in Mexico at the end of the season, Tahiti's been canceled, and you find yourself outside the WSL Final Five and not going to the Rip Curl WSL Finals at Lower Trestles, it must have just been frustrating, where it's like, Jesus. Like I think most people would have said, you're almost a walk-up start for qualifying for Trestles because of Tahiti and because of the, the footage you've put out of yourself surfing there, and everyone felt very confident you would do well there. In Mexico, was it was it hard for you to wrestle with the fact that you weren't going to be in the the Rip Curl WSL finals when you guys found out about Tahiti? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I uh, yeah, I definitely. It was a bit of a bummer not to be in the top five. You know, I think yeah, honestly, that was really shitty. I was pretty bummed. Um, that was definitely a really low point in my year. I 
you know, I, I'm very aware of how good everyone is and how gnarly everyone is, but I, I did see myself in the top five. I just felt really good and confident and felt like I was serving great. I think I was actually out of the whole year. I feel like my best surfing was in the free surfs leading up to Barra. And I was like, okay, let's do this. I just was excited. It was a new wave. I was like, you know, I knew I had my back against the wall, which, you know, I feel like I was kind of embracing that. I was like, all right, cool. I know I need to perform and like, let's do this. And you know, when I came in that heat after I lost to Malia, I actually, the first text I got was that Tahiti was canceled. So I actually didn't even know that Tahiti was canceled, you know, paddling out. I had no idea. And then I came in lost and then I saw that text and it was just all kind of piled down on one. And I was like, that sucks, you know, and not even that, like, regardless of me having the chance to be in the top five or not, I just really wanted to go to Chopu and, and catch some waves out there and be out there alone and, um, you know, maybe get like a nice barrel or two, but obviously, um, it was more of a bummer because I feel like that was a big opportunity to be in the top five. And then, you know, having the top five, um, you know, the final event at lowers, right. Kind of in my backyard, I was definitely looking forward to that, but I think, you know, I know everything happens for a reason. I, it's only my fault. So, um, that really stung and I went down there and watched and, it was really hard not being in that, but I think it kind of lit an extra fire for me to just work extra hard and be like, okay, I really don't want to miss it next year. And, um, that really, really stung. So definitely not a way I wanted to end the season, but, um, like I said, it's, it's already, um, the 2022 season's already coming up and I'm, um, I'm really fired up. So it should be fun. What did you, since you were down there, what did you think of the surfing performances at the rip curl wsl finals and had you been part of that top five do you give yourself a good chance for having one on the day right because you would have seen everyone surfing and how well they surfed or maybe in some cases maybe not surfing as well as they could have because of whatever reason do you think that you would have been a shot for the world title had you been in the the finals last year i'd like to think so you know i think if you're in the top five you definitely um, you know, I think last year, Carissa and Gabriel were so far ahead of everyone else points wise, mm. but I do believe like everyone in that title, final five, um, especially like in the top three, were very capable of finishing number one, especially, you know, with, with just it all coming down to that one day, you know, everyone really has an equal opportunity. So, you know, I do surf lowers all the time. I've had a lot of success there as an amateur and a junior. And, um, that's where I got my first wild card when I was uh, 13 to the swatch event. So yeah, I definitely like to think I would have had a, a great chance and the waves are really good. That's like my, the best, those are the best conditions, some of the best conditions I've ever seen at lowers. So, um, that was really cool to see. And I, what really stood out to me was, um, you know, Gabriel's performance was pretty phenomenal. Mm. Um, you know, I know it, it's, it's crazy, you know, being so far ahead, he kind of, him and Carissa really had everything to lose and they both performed in and they, they got it done, which was pretty incredible. And I remember watching Tati beat Carissa in that one heat. And I was like, holy smokes, it's the whole year's coming down to this one heat. And, um, you know, if it was any other year, she would have won the title, you know, like in the last event, even maybe and she would have clenched it in Mexico. So that was pretty crazy to watch. But um, yeah, the waves were phenomenal. And that made it 10 times worse. I was like, oh, my God, it's firing, of course. Um, <laughs> but it was super cool that I'm stoked that, you know, the WSL got amazing waves and they got amazing ways to perform on. And Gabriel was doing backflips and Carissa was doing big carves. So it was really, really cool to watch and really inspiring. So that was yeah. fun. Yeah, that I mean, in the women's world title, when you say it came down to one day, it came down to one maneuver, right, with Tatiana. And, and it was that kind of 
you know, and I was up with the judges after the event and I kind of asked them like, well, if she, if she hit that last section and completed it, which on the day she'd actually hit more kind of radical critical sections and, and been fine, would she have gotten the score? And they said hundred percent, you know, and it was just that funny kind of in between like her second and third maneuver. She wasn't sure if she's going to do two or one big one, got a little bit hung up and didn't finish that wave. And, and it's wild that the world title came down to that moment in a lot of ways. That was hugely entertaining. No, absolutely. It's so crazy too, because I feel like even in the 2019 season, you know, for myself, I remember I had a wave um, against Stephanie in the quarters. And, you know, I know that the day before I had clenched the Olympic spot and then the next day I was like, okay, now I got to focus on the world title. And I remember falling on this turn. And I just remember maybe if I would have made that, that, you know, maneuver, I, I probably would have made that heat. And then I would have been against Carissa for the world title in the next heat. So it's crazy how you know, I, I honestly like every heat, every every little moment. It it kind of every heat is a world title heat, and um, you know, it's crazy when you when you look back, you're like going, oh my god, that one little turn or that one little thing. And I know that must have really stung for Tatiana, and especially you know getting all the way to lowers and having such a great season, and and knowing she would have got the score if she would have just made that maneuver. And that's really what it comes down to when it, when you're in that top three or top two picture. It's it comes down to one little decision or turn or moment and it's crazy and that's what makes it so special when you win because it it really all needs to come together to get that top spot so yeah I think I think you make such a good point right because every year since 1976 it always comes down to a moment you know and I think with the redesign the idea is okay can we design it in a way so that the moment happens between the best surfers of the season at a world-class wave in the final heat of the year which it was great to see. And as we announced today, uh, this is our, a week before this is coming out, but we announced today, we will be going back to lower trestles. So you're going to have another crack at it in September if uh, the season works out for you. Yeah, I know. I um, I actually did a, a call yesterday with uh, Eric and Jesse and um, a few of the other surfers and uh, we heard that it was coming back to lower. So I definitely wasn't mad at that news. And um, yeah, another chance to be you know, hopefully fighting for a title at lowers this year. And that's um, definitely going to be a really big focus for me this year. And, you know, I'll do everything I can to get there. So yeah, that that's epic. I'm very happy on that news. <laughs> you mentioned qualifying for the Olympics, which for as topsy-turvy as 2021 was, that must have been an incredible experience to be a part of. And, and I know you've talked about it quite a lot, but can you kind of give us like a summary of, of being in Japan for this historic moment how the waves treated you, the competition, et cetera, et cetera. And I know it wasn't the result you wanted, but must have been amazing to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, the Olympic experience was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. I definitely think um, one of, if not, you know, highlights of, my, of the year and definitely, you know, one of the highlights of my life. It was really, when I was there, it was crazy. I had like zero idea what to expect. I didn't watch any videos. I just didn't know anything about the wave or what it'd be like. And um, you know, to be honest, I never really watched the Olympics growing up because surfing was never in the Olympics. So I just didn't really care. I was like, you know, all I care about is surfing. And, you know, obviously I'd watch Simone Biles and Lindsey Vaughn and, um, you know, little snippets and things like that. But yeah, I really just had no idea what to expect. And in a way, I think, um, that was really special because I just had no expectations and no matter what happened, I was just like, this is going to be such a rad experience. And, um, it exceeded all expectations and, now that I've been there, I think I I can see why the Olympics is such a massive deal and why it, it means so much and why it's such a big deal to win and podium and um, to be there and be the Olympian and stuff like that. So, 
it was phenomenal and so cool that we got to go to Japan and you know, it was awesome. We had ways provided for us because leading up to the event, it was uh, it was pretty much flat. So, and we had the sickest team ever. Really, like we all you know stayed in the house together, and it was like one one big family kind of. It was actually kind of sad leaving. Like I remember, I was kind of like bummed. I was like, oh, I feel like we all like bonded really well, and you know, serving such an individual sport. So it was kind of fun to root on, you know, your teammate, even though we were all there to obviously, you know, win our individual medals, we wanted our teammates to do good. We wanted, you know, I wanted to see, I wanted to be in the final with Carissa and I wanted John and Chloe to be in the final together. So that was really fun and definitely a, a memory and a time I'll never forget and I'll cherish forever. So it was really special. You know, we joked about it at the start of the conversation about, you know, your maturity, notwithstanding, you're still only 19 and you've just been on this unbelievable kind of rocket train the last few years in terms of your trajectory from qualifying to really becoming the North American standard bearer for performance and 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 our title contender for for this region you know the olympics and contracts and all of this kind of having to grow up and become an adult which you're still probably in the process of becoming in in a pretty bright spotlight, like, you know, like none of us, like most of us don't have to do that. Like we're allowed to make mistakes and screw up and it's no one sees it. No one sees it. It's just your parents slapping you in the head or something. But it it just seems like such a radical thing in terms of creating stress. I'm wondering if after last year, after Mexico, after watching the finals go down, we had this gap, right, in the last couple of months did you do anything to decompress or did you need to? Maybe you didn't, you know, but I, I'm curious how you kind of allow yourself to recharge after, you know, a chaotic couple of years and before the start of the uh, 22 CT. Yeah, no, that's a great, great point to to bring up. I, I definitely have the personality of kind of just all or nothing and just go, go, go and never stop. And, you know, like you said, I'm still a teenager, so I have tons of energy and I just, want to do everything. I want to surf a hundred hours a day and train a hundred hours a day and go out at night with my friends and dance till 4am and just like do everything, you know? And that's just, I just, I guess have the energy to do that. And I think last year, to be honest, I think I just put a lot of pressure on myself and, um, you know, in the 2019 season, just having, you know, being so close to that title, making the Olympics, um, I was like, anything worse than second is kind of a bad year. And that's pretty crazy because it's so hard to get second. And, you know, so I, I really, I guess if in my head, I was like, if I don't win the title, this is a bad year, which is so wild to think. And, you know, I, where I think the 2019 season, I was more focused on just, um, just surfing my best. And I think, um, that's kind of the one thing I really reflected on this last year and, you know, coming into this next season, I really just want to focus on my performance and just try to be the best surfer I can possibly be and really push myself every day and push myself in the water. And, you know, um, whether I'm in Hawaii and it's whether like, you know, trying to take off on, you know, the biggest wave of my life or, you know, trying to work on a certain maneuver, like that's what I really want to focus on. And I know results will come with that. And like you said, you know, I'm only 19 and there really should be no pressure right now. And, you know, obviously my ultimate goal is titles and gold medals and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it takes, it's going to take, you know, me surfing my best to do that. And, um, I think if I focus on that, the rest will take care of itself. And I did spend a lot of time, you know, back on the East coast over the holidays with my family and just really was able to decompress. I think it's kind of hard for me to decompress in California because there's waves all the time, but in Florida, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it's flat again. All right. I'll just cruise. Today. <laughs> so, um, it was super nice just to even spend a month there and 
just, yeah, just get that family time. I was still surfing a bunch and having fun, but just being a kid and just going on the boat and going fishing and things like that. And I, I feel energized and ready and, um, I'm really excited. I do think that downtime is important, even though it's hard for me to do that, but I think it's very important and I'm just excited to surf my, my best this year and focus on that. And I think the rest will take care of itself. Jeez, I, I don't think I could have designed a better segue because we're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to dive into just where the hell you came from. So we'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So you just mentioned getting to go back and, and spend a month uh, back home in Florida on the East Coast and, and how that was very helpful in terms of decompression. But tell us a bit more about that. Like, where were you born? Where were you raised? What was your family like? Mom, dad, siblings? What, what, where did Caroline Marks come from? <laughs> yeah, I, I came from South Florida. I think, yeah, Boca Raton Hospital is where I was born. I should know that, like, comp confident but I don't <laughs> um but yeah that is what it in... <laughs> says on your uh, wikipedia page just for okay cool all right we'll go with that and then yeah I grew up in a little town called Melbourne Beach I think the population was like a thousand um very small town I literally would surf with my school teachers and my tutors and 
all my friends were just in this little neighborhood and everyone kind of knew everyone. There was one grocery store, one restaurant, and I'd ride my little dirt bike or my bike to check the waves. And I didn't, we didn't even need a car. You'd literally just, yeah, ride your bike everywhere. And the ocean was in front of us and the, the lake was behind us. So we just surf and fish all day, just go back and forth and back and forth and never wear shoes and just whatever, just such a grom. But um, yeah, I grew up in Melbourne Beach, Florida, and then, you know, moved out to California when I was about um, 12 years old and um, still would go back and forth a lot to Florida, but just would come out here for the summer times that, you know, Florida gets pretty flat in the summer. So I would just surf lowers out here in the summers and then permanently moved out here when I was about 15. And then, um, yeah, I qualified when I was 15 and it's kind of never really looked back since then. So it's been fun. A lot's happened. It's crazy. I don't really ever reflect on what's happened, but a lot's happened in such a short amount of time. So I've enjoyed the ride for sure. Well, how did you get into surfing back in Florida? Did your dad or your mom surf, your older brothers? Like, What was, how, what was, the, what was your entry point? Yeah, um, it's pretty interesting because I was, um, you know, I, I feel like I kind of did everything as a kid. You know, I, I played softball. I played tennis. I played soccer. Um, I even took golf lessons, like a lot of just random stuff. And then I horseback rode for a while. And that was kind of something that I thought I was going to do, which is so different than surfing. It's all about being on land and inland and away from the ocean. And I remember my brothers would like ride their dirt bikes while I'd horseback ride. And that was just kind of our life. And my oldest brother, Luke, he, um, you know, he would do the pro juniors and the amateur events. And he was a very successful amateur and junior. And, um, you know, he started doing the QS as well. And I just kind of thought like, you know, surfing was his thing and, you know, I'd ride horses and that's just my life for the rest of my life. And, um, and then I remember, you know, something just clicked in my mind, um, when I was about like nine years old and I was like, I just want to impress my brothers. Like, that's all I care about. I don't care what I need to do, but I just want to make them stoked on me. And, um, so I was like, well, they love surfing, you know, so I guess I got to start surfing and yeah, I started surfing and, um, just, yeah, I got into it literally because of my brothers and just, I really just wanted to impress them and them to think I was cool. And that's like literally where it all started. So I would try to, they weren't impressed with the horseback riding. (laughs) I mean, they, they thought it was cool, but you know, obviously, you know, not as cool as surfing, not as cool as surfing. They're like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But when I did something that they were, they were super into, they're like, okay, like now this is cool. So And honestly, there's just nothing better. Like to this day, like there is nothing better than going out with my family and surfing with all my my brothers. And, you know, because that's like how I got into it. And to this day, I still try to impress them. Like I I had a day at the wave pool um, and I brought my whole family and I was like, oh, my God, all I want to do is rip in front of them. That's all I care about. Like, I just want them to say, like, that was a sick turn. Like, that was a nice barrel. Like, that's it. That's all I want. (laughs) Um, Where's that from, though? Were they pretty stingy with the compliments going on? Because I feel like. In terms of impressing your brothers, I feel like that ship sailed a long time ago. You've done that many times over. I hope so. I hope so. They are my biggest supporters and they're so, yeah, so supportive and amazing. But I'm not going to lie. There was a few tears when I was younger, a lot of constructive criticism and um, a lot of honesty. But, um, you know, I appreciate it because that's, you know, they're a huge reason that, you know, the position I'm in today, they're a huge reason for that. And I'm so grateful for that. And I wouldn't change it for the world. 
And, um, you know, we used to run like little mock heats behind my house and get so competitive and come home crying. And my mom's like, what happened now? You know, and I'm um, like, dad, <laughs> poor, underscore poor me. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but they're the best. I love my brother so much. And it's so special now that I get to travel with them and bring them to all the events and um, have them there with me. It's it's incredible. So do you still ride horses? I don't, you know, I, I still have a soft spot for horses. Like when I see a horse, I'm like, Oh, I like, I, you know, I love horses. I love animals. I actually used to want to be a veterinarian when I was little. So I just, just love animals, but I haven't ridden a horse in a while. I think now I'd be kind of scared to, to be honest, but, um, <laughs> I think they're very cool and I, I respect them for sure. <laughs> I feel, I feel like we got to give you like a, we got to get you like a cameo in like Yellowstone or 1883 or something. Like, for sure. Know, oh my God. Sign me young up. talent Sign me that up. could ride horses. I feel like that's all Taylor Sheridan gives a shit about. Awesome. For sure. I might, I just might wear a hazmat suit. So if I fall, I can be protected. I don't know. <laughs> that's fine. You know, Florida is such an interesting place to me because, as you pointed out, like it doesn't have world-class surf every day. I think that's an understatement. But it seems to produce this outsized amount of world-class surfers. I remember when I first started at the ASP, which was uh, 16 years ago, the first event I traveled to was the Globe SI Pro at Sebastian Inlet. First time I've been to the East Coast for for surfing. And I was with the judges and through manager. We went and surfed one day and it was kind of like junky onshore surf. And I'm like, yeah, this is fine. You know, whatever. It's a couple feet. And then overnight, we woke up the next day. We actually were staying in West Melbourne, which was an experience. But we woke up and it was offshore. And I'm like, oh, this will be so fun. And then they're like, no, it's actually really bad. If it's offshore, it's dead flat. Dead <laughs> flat. I'm like, I'm like, how does this place produce like... Kelly Slater and Lisa Anderson and like the Hobgoods and the Lopez brothers and you know, um, Oh, Jesus, Frida Zamba. Like, yeah. The list Frida goes Zamba, on. You. Yeah. It's crazy. You. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it is so crazy. Like you're so right. And I think a big part of the reason why there's such great servers that come out of Florida, I think, I just feel like no one from Florida is really jaded. We can't be, mm. you know, we, we grew up surfing, not the best waves. And I think it just, when we do get to travel and we do see great waves, we're like, we're so frothed. And I think that is such a big part of being a great surfer is not being jaded and just really loving it, just really loving surfing. And I think all those people you just mentioned just purely, purely love surfing. You know, you see Kelly and I see Lisa, you know, when I just went back home, I see her, you know, surfing Smyrna and stuff like that. Like they don't have to, but they do it. And that's so cool because they just genuinely love it. And that's a big reason why I think they got you know, they're so successful in their careers is because they just purely love surfing. So it's cool. I think that's a good point. You mentioned early motivation for you at nine when you you switched focuses was to make your brothers, you know, be proud of you. Um, was there a moment between then and when you moved to California when you realized yourself like, oh, I might be good at this, you know, like this might be like a career thing for me. Was it like a surfing performance that you remember, or was it getting a, a sponsor or a new sponsor? Was it a competition or, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just sort of a gradual thing. But I'm curious if you had like an epiphany where you went, this is going to be my life. Yeah, no, I definitely did have a clicker moment. Um, I think I was incredibly oblivious until I had that clicker moment, to be honest. And that clicker moment for me was, um, you know, when I did the Surfing America Prime and then it's to say Nationals, um, I think I was 11. Yeah, I think I was 11 and I did the U12 girls um, at Lowers and um, I was just incredibly oblivious. I was like, oh my God, there's a huge scaffolding. Like all these girls are so gnarly. Like the waves are big. What the heck? Like what's going on? And I just really entered it because my brother did it. And I was like, sure, you know, I'm here. Might as well enter it. And 
I remember winning the U12 girls and, you know, hearing of all the girls that were in the final me, I heard about them and how good they were. And I was like, well, if I beat them, then that means I'm pretty good too. And I just remember that was kind of the clicker moment for me. You know, I got, um, I just got sponsored by Fox and, you know, my brothers carried me up the beach and I got this big trophy and all this attention. And I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. I just served perfect waves. And, and I just, yeah, I got this massive trophy and it was just the coolest moment ever. And I think that was kind of the clicker moment for me. And I was like, all right, I, I definitely want to do this for the rest of my life. Like there's nothing better than this. And I just never really looked back since then. And and then went out the next summer for the next round of events. And I think I entered every single division from U12 girls to U18 girls and explore women's, explore girls to open. Every I surfed like a million heats in one day and I ended up winning all every single final. And I was like, all right, all right. I think I'm pretty good at this and um, I think I'm going to stick with it. So, but definitely a lot of support for my family, you know, and, um, you know, I had having my brothers say like, Hey, you're, you're, you're good. Like you should keep going at this. I was like, all right, because obviously I really respect what they think. So those are kind of the clicker moments for me. And I'm glad I chose serving because it's so, it's so much fun. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Like you said before the break of like, for you, you're like, I'm, I'm at a hundred all the time. I want to just keep going and going and going. And I, Remember, um, we had Ryan Callanan on the podcast and he was talking about um, his knee injury, which I didn't know about. And he had this really radical knee injury. And, and it was one of those things where he basically couldn't get better unless he stopped surfing every day. But he, he said this thing that I thought was really profound. He goes, you know, surfing's so fun that it's impo- it's so impossible to say no to it, right? Where it's like, yeah, I want to get another wave. I want to surf another session. I want to go on a boat trip. I want to do another contest. Like it's always yes, because it's fun. He goes, but it's hard to, it's hard to pace yourself because of that, you know, in the sense of like, okay, I have to balance my life a little bit. I can't keep going. And in his case, he couldn't keep going physically the way he was because he, his knees would have given out on him, right? But it is just one of those things, as you said, it's so fun where you go like, I I just want to keep doing everything, you know, free surf trip, another session, another contest. Let's do it. Oh, absolutely. And that's like one of the things. Yeah. Like you said, that's so cool about surfing. It's so unique, you know, is that it never gets old. Like there's a reason why there's people that surf until they can't walk anymore. You know, they're out there on a longboard or, or whatever. And it's just every session, like there's the waves are new, like every wave is different. Like there's never there's no such thing as the same wave. And it's just never gets boring because it's just yeah, always fresh and new. And like you said, there's so many waves you can surf and I feel like chasing swells and, you know, working on a specific maneuver, like you can really never master surfing. And I think that's just what keeps you going forever and ever and ever. And yeah, it's just the most fun thing in the world. And I don't know, there's nothing like it. So yeah, he made a really good point. He's right. It is surfing is the best and um, it's just so fun. That's really it. It's so fun. You mentioned, um, you know, the support of your family and I've had the the privilege of meeting, you know, your parents and your brothers and, and they are in, incredibly supportive. So much of your success competitively and, and sponsorship wise and, and sort of really international stage wise has come at such a young age. It feels like it, it was almost essential to have like a very strong supportive family group around you for you to navigate that as well as you have. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm so, so grateful for my family and, um, you know, some, uh, my friends as well, my coach, um, trainer, everyone, you know, really does take a team to, you know, get where you want to get. And, um, you know, a lot of what we do is mental, you know, cause at, at a certain level, you know, everyone is so good and so talented and works so hard that it does come down to having that amazing support crew. And I'm really fortunate that mine's my family and, 
I made it like a thing this year where I'm like, I really want to bring someone from my family to every event. I think last year, you know, with COVID kind of just not really being able to bring, you know, my family or just kind of only, you know, being able to bring like one person. I think it made me really realize how important it is to have that, you know, support crew around you and support system. And, and, you know, that's what makes our journey so special is getting to share with the people that you love the most. And, um, sometimes when I'm on the road, what gets me most stoked is watching my brother get a really good wave and seeing that smile on his face. And that makes me so stoked. And sometimes I remember that more than, you know, a good contest result or something. So it is really special. And like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I'm stoked that, um, you know, my brothers surf as well. And that's so cool. I get to bring them everywhere and we just surf all day and eat great food and make great memories. There's nothing better. Yeah, that does sound really, it's very cool to have something extra to be surfing for, for sure. Earlier you mentioned, and when you're back on the East Coast, you would surf with uh, your school teachers and then your tutors. At some point, you started doing homeschool, I'd imagine, just because of the the training schedule and the travel schedule and, and you know, opting to pursue a, a career. Is that right? Yeah, um, I started homeschool, I think. I was in fifth grade, I remember, because that's when I'd come out to California a lot. And so, yeah, just with like my travel schedule and stuff like that, um, started doing online from fifth grade onwards, really, and um, graduated over 2020. I think that was the highlight of my 2020 was graduating high school. Um, and then, yeah, never, never really looked back since then. <laughs> I just kept surfing. <laughs> I've spoken to a bunch of um, surfers, most of them CT surfers, who had similar experiences where it was you know, at some point it just became untenable to keep going to to public school because of the travel schedule. Do you have any sort of regrets about that? Do you, do you wish like, Oh, I wish I'd had those experiences going to school or you, you kind of like, Oh, I kind of hit the lotto in what I'm doing anyway. I definitely, I wouldn't say I have any regrets, um, going to public school. I think that, or being homeschooled, I should say, I think that like, you know, traveling the world and getting great waves and, yeah, sharing those memories with my family and my friends around the world is, yeah, it's way more fun to me than going to prom or homecoming or, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, definitely don't have any, any regrets, but, um, I do think school is important and I encourage you to everyone to go to school. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I definitely don't have any regrets on that. I feel like I hit the, hit the lotto, like you said. So, all I really want to do is surf. <laughs> yeah, I went to a couple proms and everyone's mileage may vary, but, you know, getting to go to cloud break is it's up there. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there's nothing wrong with like prom. All that stuff is so cool. But I think for me personally, I just rather, yeah, go chase a really nice swell and try to get barreled. And that sounds way more fun to me. <laughs> now, when you and the family moved to San Clemente to the West Coast, was that in part or, or a hundred percent because of your career choice? You know, I think it started, um, you know, actually we started coming out to California because of my older brother and him competing. And, um, you know, this is, I would come out here before I even really started surfing and I would just watch him at the contest. And, you know, the way my family kind of raised us was we all really support one another. Like no matter how good the waves are, like my brother had to be at my horse, horse race and and watch (laughs) me and be there and support me. And, you know, no matter what I had going on that week, I had to, you know, fly out to California and, and watch my brother compete. And that's kind of the way, you know, they raised us. And I'm super grateful for that. So it started off with us coming out for my older brother. And, you know, I started slowly getting into it. And then, you know, I I think, you know, thankfully, my whole family really enjoyed California. And like I said, my whole family does surf. So it wasn't like a crazy, crazy hard move or like a, you know, big shock or anything. So 
yeah, it started with my older brother and then, yeah, I started getting into it. So then it was kind of like an easy decision just to, just to be out here because of the waves and stuff like that. So on last week's podcast, we had, um, Australian filmmaker, Justin Gain on who was a professional surfer and he's still a damn good surfer, um, before he became a filmmaker. And he was talking about when he was really little, he had one VHS tape and it was Aki at Bell's and he would watch it over and over and like freeze frame it and memorize the hand positions and, you know, the body positions and where the head was pointing and everything and then go out and try to surf like that. And I bring that up because I'm curious if you had any surfers that were your reference points in the way that you developed um, your own style. And obviously there's a nice tie in because when you came on tour, everyone was calling you like the next Aki just because of your low center of gravity and how powerful you were and how good your backhand was. And, um, I'm wondering if, if there was a lot of Aki influence before that moment, or maybe you were looking at other surfers who were kind of your touch points when you were growing up in terms of inspiration. Yeah, no, that's a very flattering compliment. Aki's one of my favorite surfers and, um, he's so gnarly. His backhand's incredible. And, yeah, I definitely think, you know, before I heard those comments, I think I was a little bit oblivious and just didn't didn't really know. I was like, what? I'm just surfing like the way I surf. And um, then I started hearing the Aki comments and definitely started to like watch more and pay more attention. And and I was like, oh, my God, he's so gnarly. And now I watch Aki all the time. I also love watching uh, Bobby and Clay Marzo is another one of my favorites. Those are some of my favorite favorite group footers. Yeah, to me, I think growing up, you know, obviously just being from Florida, I think I I really was inspired by Kelly, Kelly Slater and Lisa Anderson. And, you know, I watch them all the time. But yeah, just being compared to Aki is, yeah, incredibly flattering. And I take a lot of notes from him now, that's for sure. Always, always watching. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, the first time you competed at, at Lowers was as in the CT, it was as a wild card at 13, uh, 2015 Swatch Women's Pro. And I think that made you the youngest female ever to compete in a CT event at the time. You get another wild card in 2017 at the Roxy Pro France, and then you qualify for the, the 2018 tour. I think you were maybe 15 when you qualified, maybe six, you turned 16 during that year. Caitlin Simmers um, recently qualified for the championship tour, but declined her spot. And she is the same age or very similar age um, as you were when you did what were your thoughts when you heard about Caitlin's decision and, and reflecting back on when you made your decision, are there any sort of comparisons or contrasts that you kind of noticed? Yeah, no, I think it's super cool that, that Caitlin made like that decision herself. You know, I actually personally didn't really get to talk to her about it, but I did hear some rumors in Hawaii that, you know, maybe some people were saying she wasn't going to do it. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay, like, I just hope whatever her that decision is, I just hope like it's her decision, you know, not other mm. people influencing. And, right. um, you know, I know she has a great family, a great support system. And, you know, that was really cool. Cause I was like, if she does do it, she is going to have a great support system, which is very important. And, um, you know, obviously she's very talented and, and did qualify at such a young age and that is super hard to do. So it was a big decision to, you know, deny the spot, but I think, you know, for her, I think she's just wants to be a Grom still. And she wants to just kind of, you know, not, I guess, you know, when you do qualify for the tour, it is, it's a whole another level of, you know, focus and, um, you know, pressure and, and traveling. And so I think if she was having any bit of doubt, I think it was a good idea that she did decline the spot. And, um, you know, like I said, she's so young and has so many years to, you know, qualify again, whenever she's ready. So, 
I think it's super cool that she was like, hey, I'm not ready. And um, I'm stoked that I made it. But, you know, when I'm when I'm ready, I'll, I'll try to go for it again. And I really respect that. So um, I thought it was super cool. And um, like I said, I'm happy it was her decision that she made herself. And I really believe, yeah, if you're not like 100% all in on it, then you probably shouldn't do it. So, yeah. It's a good way to look at it. What, what about you? Did you have any doubts when you qualified or were you just like, this is where I'm supposed to be? I'm frothing. Let's go do it. You know, I, I definitely, um, it was definitely very nerve wracking and I was, uh, you know, the year I qualified, I wasn't trying to qualify, you know, I was mainly doing those events and, um, just to get experience and to surf waves in different countries. And, you know, it was my first time to Australia and first time competing against, you know, the, the big dogs. And that was kind of my plan that year is just to get, you know, that experience. And, you know, when I did qualify, I was definitely like, holy cow, like, and I was like, that happened fast. That's crazy. I wasn't expecting that. And I also, you know, when I qualified, it was kind of just myself. Like I was just, it was like me and then everyone else. And I feel like I didn't really have that younger generation to qualify with. So Mm. it was definitely a massive decision. And, you know, I, for me, I had no idea what to do. I was very like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just looked at my, my coach and my parents and I was like, whatever you guys think, like, I know you guys know me better than I know me. So (laughs) whatever you guys think I will do. And, you know, I think just talking to Mike, um, I really obviously honor what he says. And he was like, Hey, like, what's the worst, what worst that's going to happen. You're just going to travel and get an incredible experience. Um, just know that just don't base your happiness off results. You know, it's going to be hard. You're going to have some hard moments. You're going to have some great moments and, um, let's go for it. And, I think once I made that decision to go for it, I did feel really confident in it. And, you know, obviously that was like my ultimate dream was to be on the world tour. So I'm really happy I made that decision. But yeah, it is definitely nerve wracking. You're like, you you think about it and you get there and you're like, oh my God, okay, let's do this. And I was very fortunate to have such a great support crew and and stuff like that. And also getting those wild cards, I think helped me a lot. Mm. And um, that gave me a lot of confidence because I feel like when I did get those wild cards, I was still in like that starstruck, like, holy cow, I have Carissa Moore in my heat. I have Tyler Wright in my heat. And by the time I qualified, it kind of switched to, wow, like these women are so amazing. I respect them so much, but now I want to beat them. And that's kind of when I knew I was ready when I started thinking like that. So, yeah, that, I think that's such a good perspective too, because even on the men's side, I've seen it time and again, like, you know, wild cards or rookies that are coming with a ton of hype and a ton of attention and are meant to be kind of like paradigm shifting surfers. I've seen them draw often, you know, Kelly and, and kind of crumble just because there's still that starstruck element of like, oh my God, it's Kelly Slater. I can't beat the guy. He's on, he's a poster on my wall. You know what I mean? And and there's been very few surfers I've noticed, especially on the men's side, that have had that ability to come in and be like, no, it's my time now. Owen Wright kind of comes to mind as really one of the only ones that as a wild card came in and really stuck it to the 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 sort of the alpha predators on tour in a lot of ways, because a lot of the other ones would sort of maybe better surfers or certainly better surfers for the conditions they competed in, but would kind of crumble psychologically under the weight. And it wasn't just Kelly, it sometimes be Mick or Joel or whoever, and you just you're kind of watching this happen and it's baffling. So it's interesting that you pointed out, like I got that out of my system with those wild cards. And by the time I was a rookie, I was ready to, to battle. Oh, absolutely. And, and it also too, like another thing that factors in is, 
you know, you come up against, you know, someone like Sally or Carissa and, and, or Stephanie, and you're like, wow, like I'm surfing against them at Margaret river and they've been here 12 years in a row. And this is my first time. So that's another factor too. You know, you can't really buy experience. You have to just, you know, you can't buy, like, you just have to spend the time out there. And, um, that was also another big thing for me is I was like, I'm just going to not put any pressure. You know, I, I do expect a lot from myself and I do put a lot of pressure on myself, but I just tried to just have fun and enjoy it. And I was like, Hey, I have nothing to lose. Like I'm, I'm 15, 16. Like I just, you know, if anything, like they, they don't want to lose to, to me, you know, I'm such a Grom. And I think just, just knowing that really helped me, you know, just, just surf and just be a Grom. And no matter what the result was, I knew I was just gaining experience. And I really looked at that year as like, Hey, if I'm not winning, I'm learning. And I, I think that really helped me just kind of, you know, serve my best and and not, I guess, crumble in a way, but it is hard. Cause you know, you, you do have posters of all these, you know, people on your wall and then you're, you know, uh, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder with them in a, in an event that you've dreamed about, you know, doing since you're a little girl. So it's pretty crazy, but, um, it's really special and, um, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, and I'd imagine too, that the, the redesign of the tour and the redesign of the schedule and, and Katie is an incredible surfer, and I'm sure she's going to have an amazing career, but is maybe even more daunting now, especially if you're looking at the rookie class and you're like a young rookie like Caitlin would have been. And it's like, okay, hold on. Like going back to your experience note, I have to start at pipe and then go to Sunset Beach and then Super Tubos in like, you know, maximum swell winter time and then Bells and Margaret River. Like these, there's not really like an easy venue to kind of like cut your teeth on in those first five. It's, it's pretty daunting. No, absolutely. That's such a great point. And, you know, I know, um, you know, someone like Caitlin, you know, she is only 16 and she's still growing and, you know, necess- like she's still, yeah, still growing. And I think that when you come up against, you know, like the, the, you know, older girls, like, you know, Carissa and Stephanie, you know, they're, they're full blown women. And, you know, that's pretty gnarly to come up against, you know, at, at venues like that, where, you know, they have a lot of experience and they're super powerful and they're very confident and they don't take any prisoners. And that's really what it takes to get to the top. So um, that is a great point. You know, the start of the season is like, I was joking with Lakey. I'm like, what are we on the big wave tour now? We're going by <laughs> sunset, you know, Portugal. And um, it is a pretty, pretty awesome schedule, but you are right. There is no event that's like, Oh, like little beach break, you know, I, I, it'll be fun and rippable and you know, it's, it's more of, yeah, it's a, it's a heavy water, bigger board, stuff like that. So it'll be fun and exciting. And yeah, the schedules like this year's a lot different. So I'm excited to see how it unfolds. You know, the, the physical maturation point, such a good one, both, both on men, the men's and women's tours, as far as you, you kind of consider yourself with all the training you do, do you feel like you have matured into sort of adult physical condition at the moment or you still think you got some growing or some work to do in that space i'd like to think i'm still growing but i think (laughs) (laughs) i think i i think i've done most of my growing for sure and no i do feel like even you know when i when i qualified at a young age i did feel like i kind of um i feel like i was yeah already kind of like grown into a woman at that young of an age you know i feel like personally just my body whatever it just matured really fast and i did feel like you know i I've always had, you know, bigger legs and bigger thighs and, and was able to have that power. And, you know, I think I'll, I'm grateful for that because that's what it does take to to go up against the gnarly girls. And I do feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably, you know, fully grown and, and considered, you know, I guess not like a little girl anymore, more of like a woman. And yeah, no, that's definitely what it takes. And especially like you said, with the schedule coming up, you know, you need to have that power and 
you know, power surfing, you know, hasn't died. Like, you know, look at someone like Carissa and Tyler and Stephanie, like they've all won titles because of how strong and gnarly they are. And I think that's, yeah, super important. Such an interesting thing because you see it again on, on kind of both sides of the tour and it impacts so much from, you know, your physical conditioning to the way you approach wave riding to your equipment. And I mean, even, you know, someone that, the the is sort of cemented in the annals of surf history, someone like Nikki Wood, who for a long time was the youngest CT winner ever. I think he won bells at 16. I might've screwed that up, but I think it was 16. And he was sort of the godson of Mark Richards. And he was slated to be like, you know, this Australian title contender for decades and decades. And I think the story goes that he grew something like 12 or 14 inches in one year. And it just blew his knees out and he wasn't able to recover physically and wasn't able to get his equipment dialed. And that was, that was kind of the story of it. And I think the same, I think similar things happen on the men's and women's side where it's like you qualify when you're in your teens, you're not in your adult body yet. And that's going to impact, you know, your fitness. It's going to impact like what you can do on the wave. It's going to impact your, your equipment, like what kind of dimensions you're ordering in your boards. And I'm sure that all goes into what you've gone through in the last few years too, just having to grow up on tour. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say like, oh, that they're going to be like, their technique is so, I think that's why like a lot of coaches or, or, you know, people look at technique when you're super young, because obviously, you know, you know, when you're, you know, 15, 16, you know, even like 13, 14, whatever, like you don't really have that power yet. And that's why you kind of look at the technique. Cause you're like, wow, if that person has such great technique, imagine when they get a little bit stronger and they do grow in their body, like they're going to be super gnarly. So that is like the beauty of growing up and, and getting stronger. And everyone has like a different time of when they do, you know, grow into their body or, you know, get stronger and, and things like that. And yeah, I kind of look at myself as like, wow, I, I've grown up on the tour and, um, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of laugh, like looking at myself, like when I first qualified it now, and, um, I don't know how much has changed, but it is funny to just, just like look at it now and, and see that. But it is true. Like, you know, it is, it is funny. Like you, you did come up with a good point. Like I said, like a lot of people look at technique when they're younger, because, um, you know, when you're, when you're that young, you know, you don't necessarily have that strength yet, which is totally fine. And that's what comes with age. So got a couple more topics and we have our listener questions for you. But first, we're going to take one more quick break to get another word in from our sponsors. And we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. 
Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. So I heard this story a while ago about LeBron James and how LeBron James, in addition to you know all the work that his team and sponsors put into him, spends three million of his own dollars every year on his like body work, whether it's like dietitians or like sleep scientists or like you know home gyms or whatever. And I'm like that kind of tracks because I think I bought like a Swiss ball last year for about thirty bucks. So like that's the difference between <laughs> LeBron and I, but. I bring it up because like it's obviously lent itself to him performing at a very high level for so much longer than anyone thought was possible. And I think we've seen a similar thing in surfing lately, whether it's sort of Mick Fanning and his fitness or Kelly and his sort of freakish fitness. But it feels like longevity has become a big part of the equation at the at the CT level of surfing in, in recent years. And I bring it up because I'm curious as to at 19 the road in front of you is completely wide open. How long would you consider doing the championship tour and chasing world titles for? Wow, that's such a great question. Yeah, I can't see myself really stopping. Um, <laughs> like serving is just, like I said, so much fun. And I just, yeah, I don't even, I haven't even like put a time limit or anything on it. You know, I'm just, we'll see how long I can go. And like you said, it's it's pretty incredible, you know, nowadays how long people can go for. And, um, you know, you, you made a great point with LeBron James, you know, you look at him, you're going, you know, people are probably listening going, wow, $3 million. Like that's a lot of money. But to him, he's like, well, it's all an investment in myself. And, you know, I always laugh at my mom because like, I like to me, like I kind of have trouble buying like materialistic things that I don't need, but if it has anything to do with surfing, I'm like, let's go. Like I, Mm -hmm. anything to help me be a better surfer, like I don't have a problem getting, you know, but yeah, that's it. That's such a great question. And you came up with such a great point because Kelly is, um, you know, he said he's such a freak and he's still going and still performing at such a high level and Mick Fanning and, um, you know, you know, the list goes on and on. And I think it's just going to get older and older because of, the, you know, the, all the technology now and, you know, nutritionist and, you know, the trainers and, you know, yeah, the list goes on. So there's no really time limit and um, we'll see how long I can go for <laughs> What what is the most kind of like out there thing you do for your own fitness? Is it like cryo chambers? Do you like ice bath? Like what like and because I mean you are incredibly fit and strong and it feels like you're only getting stronger every season and you obviously work with high profile sponsors that work with high profile athletes and all these other disciplines. I'd imagine that there's at least conversations if not executions for you in terms of like, let's try this kind of a treatment. Let's try this kind of a workout. What's been one of the things that stood out to you is like, wow, I didn't think I'd do that, but it kind of worked. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think, you know, for a while it was all about like, you know, doing saunas and stuff like that. And I think like ice bathing and, and chirotherapy and, and things like that are all kind of new. And 
to me, like doing the hot and cold combo um, is like has been kind of a game changer. Um, I really only started doing that, you know, a little bit of end of last year. So that's been kind of a new thing for me. And, you know, obviously, you know, the certain training and, and things like that, you know, Red Bull's been a massive help with that. And, you know, doing doing certain nutrition tests and realizing, you know, what's great, what's the best to put into your body. You know, everyone's so different. So mm. um, just knowing your body and what's best for you, I think, is is, you know, key. And yeah, there's so many amazing like recovery tools and things you can do that just help you recover so fast. But I'm definitely a baby when it comes to cold, but I do feel really good when I get out of the ice bath, I will say. <laughs> so that's been really nice. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Like, cause I, I think, you know, like, um, focus on fitness has been around on tour for a long time. I think people took it very seriously at different phases. You know, you can look back at like Tom Carroll, even Tom Curran, you know, when, when I, started 16 years ago, it was sort of, it had cycled back in with, and Mick really led the charge of people taking their fitness on tour very seriously. And I think as the prize money got uh, bigger and I think the sponsor contracts being tied closely to competitive results got more important and those contracts got bigger and bigger, I think everyone started taking it very seriously. But when I started, it, it wasn't uncommon to be like, Oh, that person, you know, ate gas station food before they uh, they went out for their heat or like those people were out getting hammered the night before. And it just doesn't happen really at all on tour anymore. And um, I think I think it's I think it's 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 obviously good in terms of personal health. I think it's easy to swing so far into one place that you're like, oh, my God, your entire life is being guided by these decisions. We had Nat Young on the podcast a couple episodes ago, and he was saying that after he fell off tour, he goes, I would go to dinner and I would start having a meltdown over whether I should have a breadstick or not. And I'm like, dude, I, I get it. But he's just like, you start, it starts taking over your life to where you don't have that kind of a balance. I'm not going to lie. I did grow up on fried chicken and 7-Eleven Slurpees being from Florida. Um, but um, I do think, you know, like Nat came up with such a good point, you know, it can start to take over your life. And it is really important, no matter whether it's training or surfing or working hard or, or you know, nutrition, I think it's great to just have an overall balance in life. And, you know, I think, you know, everyone's feel like, everyone has stuff that works differently for them. And, you know, like I, I'm a bit of a creature of habit. Like I, if I eat spaghetti bolognese, like the night before I do really good in a contest, I'll have that every night when I'm competing. And that's just kind of the way I work, you know, or some people have to really, um, you know, switch it up or whatever. So I don't know, food is fuel and whatever, you know, makes you feel good in the water is really the way I look at it. I'm like, if this piece of fried chicken is going to make me rip tomorrow, then let's go. But um, no, it is important to um, feel your body properly. And um, just for like long term as well, I think that's um, a huge thing. And yeah, but I think just having an overall balance is really important. And, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever makes you feel good, you should do it. So um, surfing is a lot of effort. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a really productive relationship with uh, Mayhem Surfboards, Matt Biolas. Is that a relationship that started after you moved out to California? Yeah, it did. Um, I am super grateful for Matt. His whole family is lovely. And, um, you know, obviously it's so cool that his daughter, um, you know, paints all of our boards. She's so talented and, you know, so young and, you know, well on her years. So, yeah, that relationship started when I moved out to California. And, yeah, I never really looked back back since then. So it's been cool. And you talked about, um, you know, shortly after recording this, you're going to be picking up a 10 board quiver for pipe question. Are, are those boards both for pipe and sunset are some for one spot, not the other? H how do you go about that? 
Yeah. Um, I was actually on the phone with Mike just before this and we were kind of, like I told you, I don't really know much about surfboards. So that's why I'm grateful I have Matt and Mike and some great people on my corner. Cause if it was up to me, I'd be riding a door out there. So, <laughs> um, um, but, um, yeah, I do have, um, specific boards for, um, pipe and, you know, specific boards for sunset. They are two completely different waves. So yeah, I'm excited. I think we're trying some, some new things. I think for pipe, you know, some different rockers and foams in different places, you know, a lot of the a lot of things that pipe is, um, you know, catching the wave is very important. Your entry into the wave. So, um, where sunsets more of an open faced, um, a lot of paddling, you know, a lot of car Venus and things like that. So two different quivers, but I'm excited about it. And Matt's worked really hard and he's the best. So I have a lot of confidence in them and I, you know, really can go to Hawaii with brand new boards and just be confident that they're going to be good. So it's, it's really nice knowing that. <laughs> this is one of my favorite questions to ask CT surfers about, equipment day to day for them because they they tend to fall into kind of two broad camps on on the one hand there are the servers who are like yep when i'm competing i have my my ferrari boards but when i'm not competing i'll take out you know a fish or a single fin or, or something kind of wider or something in a different technology just to have some fun and then the other camp are people who are like no i ride my ferrari every day in every kind of condition because i need that thing as sharp as possible Considering Mayhem is is uh, so well-renowned for having such a wide variety of boards, I'm curious as to which camp you fall into. Do you ever get to experiment and play around, or are you just on, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my, my weapons as sharp as possible every session? You know, I think that, I think like the last couple of years, I was more about just like riding shortboards, and every surf was just, you know, riding a driver and a subdriver, and that's just kind of what I enjoyed. And I think you know, this, this last year or so I've gotten way more into riding fishes and, and, you know, different types of models and fun boards, you know, the whole time I was in Florida, I think I rode a fish the whole time and it was just so fun. And, um, it's cool because you can rip on, and I do believe boards like that are great for your surfing and it keeps it fresh and fun. And so I do enjoy, you know, learning about different boards and, um, riding different models and shapes like that. Um, you know, and then obviously when it comes to, you know, competition time, you do get a little bit more serious and, um, ride your more Ferrari like boards and it's, um, yeah, things like that. But I remember one year I was on the Gold Coast, um, the 2019 season actually. And I, uh, surfed at the MR twin fin the whole week leading up to the contest. It was just so fun. I couldn't get off of it. And then I switched to a shortboard, like, you know, a couple of days before I had to compete and, um, it ended up working out. So yeah, whatever, ever, you know, everyone's so different, but yeah, whatever keeps it fun and fresh, I think it's the most important. We talked about your 2022 goal of, Qualifying in the WSL Final Five for the Rip Curl WSL Finals at Lower Trestles, and we're going to get to that in one second. But looking at the schedule, it's in two halves, right? We have to make the mid-season cut to get to the back half. On either side of the cut, we've got Pipeline, Sunset Beach, Super Tubos, Bells Beach, Margaret River. And then the back half, we have Garagigan, uh, Punta Roca in El Salvador, Sacarema, Jeffreys Bay, Tahiti. Which event on each side of the cut are you most looking forward to competing at? Oh, that is such a great question. I think I've always been a huge fan of Bells. I even like, you know, before I qualified, Mike was like, I think you would really like that way Bells. I just love everything about Australia and that that whole area. And I just really enjoy that wave. I've had some great memories there. And, you know, w watching Mick retire there actually was a huge highlight of just my life. That was so cool um, to be a part, just to be there and, and witness that. Um, but yeah, I just love that wave. And I also am really excited for the challenge of pipeline and 
gosh, that's so hard. Um, you asked me really hard. I, I love Portugal. Like I'm just going to say all of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd say Bell's pipeline. Chopu is obviously one that's really hard to, to steer away from. So um, I know I might've picked all lefts, but <laughs> those are my, my, oh, except Bell's. But yeah, those three waves I'd say, uh, but that's hard. I'm excited about all of them. <laughs> I like it. And the Rip Curl WSL Finals has a unique format. It's a linear format where the fifth seed serves against the fourth seed, the winner serves against the third seed, the winner serves against the second seed, and then the winner of that serves against the number one seed for two out of three for the world title. Presuming you're not the number one seed, which number do you want to be in heading into the finals this year? That's so hard. You know, I think that it's it's tricky because if you're not number one, then second's kind of like third and third's kind of like fourth and fourth's kind of <laughs> like fifth. So, I mean, I, I will say, you know, watching this year, how it played out first and second did do the, did do the best. You know, I think it, it is important, you know, saving energy, being fresh, things like that. So if I'm not first, then ideally I'd like to, to come up second, second or third, because I guess that's really the same, but yeah, ideally you go in there first, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe second or third. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you got to get there first. So that's an interesting, interesting topic. It's interesting, right? Because I think you're right. On the women's side, it was, I think the surfers were gassed by the time they got to Tatiana at number two. And then Tatiana ended up losing to Chris at number one. On the men's side, you had Italo surfing in that number two seat, or number two spot, which is kind of like the hot seat, you know, like you're coming in cold, you've only got one heat to do it compared to the number one seed who at least has two. And and Felipe was able to kind of bulldoze Italo and then get to Gabriel. So it's it's such an interesting thing. I, I look forward to seeing how that dynamic plays out in the future. And I absolutely look forward to seeing you uh, as soon as this season competing. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Thank you. No, that's a great point. I guess I guess first or third, I guess, would probably, it sounds like those are kind of the best numbers to be in just so you get you either get a warm-up or you just you're first and you save all your energy and you're just like all right i'm putting everything into these first two two heats so it is interesting how it plays out and yeah hopefully i'm there to experience it (laughs) i hope so too well we have a few questions from the instagram community our first question is from at wes weber four who asks what is your dream finals destination oh man that is a great question I think it'd be pretty phenomenal to, you know, to be finals destination. I think it'd be pretty phenomenal to, to win in a wave, you know, like, um, with a lot of history, you know, somewhere like pipeline or someone like somewhere like Chopu, but it is pretty hard to go past lower trestles, you know, my pretty much in my backyard and my whole family would be able to be there. So it's a very hard question, but yeah, I'd say one of those three places, um, would be really special. Yeah, Lowers has got a lot of history too, and even yeah. even places that don't have history like macaroni, so you can throw that for in sure. There for sure. Or me. I mean, cloud break would be like amazing. That would be, oh my gosh, that'd be incredible. <laughs> so that's a hard one. I'll sit here and name every source you've ever heard of if you let me sit here long enough. <laughs> well, and we talked about how you're gonna be on tour for another hundred years, so you're gonna serve a lot of them. Oh, uh, we'll see, we'll see. But I I enjoy it, so we'll see. <laughs> All right, the next question is from. At C. Lonnie, who asks, do you think the pressure as a star rookie uh, took a toll on your mental health? I guess we talked about that a little bit, but I think that's more of a direct way to ask. It's a great question. Um, I definitely think that I think last year was the year I kind of put the most pressure on myself, um, which is weird because it was like my third year on the tour. So maybe a little bit, but I 
I will say um, I was super fortunate just to have such an amazing support crew. And I think it would have definitely taken a toll on my mental health if I didn't have such an amazing support crew with me. So, yeah. It's a good answer. Uh, final question from the Instagram community that we, we selected was from at David Belfus, who asks, what long-term goals have you set for yourself that you can share with your fans? Great question. Um, long-term goals. Um, I would say, yeah, definitely, um, you know, uh, world title and uh, gold medal would be my long-term goals. I'd, that's those are definitely high, high on my list. And, um, it'd be really cool to also make like a rad movie with a bunch of girls and do something cool like that. So yeah. <laughs> Those are good goals. Well, thanks to the Instagram community. We're now down to our final segment, which is the lightning round presented by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. These are 10 questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, a single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? Oh, thruster for sure. <laughs> I think I had a dumb answer last time, so I'm going thruster <laughs> this time. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. I've gone I've gone to the dark side. <laughs> I'm gonna have to compare your answers to when we had the, the three the yeah, three person panel. I remember. Yeah. I was like 17 last time, so I'm in interesting now. Yeah. It's a lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> Burrito or pizza? Oh, pizza. Last book you read. You know, see how I don't have an answer right away? That's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it was actually called The Energy Bus. Yeah, Energy Bus. That's a pretty quick answer for, yeah. for this podcast. Uh, best surf film ever. Man, it's a really hard one. It's pretty hard to go away from Kelly Slater Black and White. That's mm -hmm. pretty amazing film. One wave you never have to go back to. Uh, <laughs> Rottenest Island. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. I, I actually like Rottenest, but... That looked pretty fun, yeah. I'm not going to complain if I don't go back. There's definitely way worse waves out there. That is just the quickest thing that came to mind. Nothing That's against fair. Rottenest. I love that wave, but, you know. <laughs> Other side, basically another planet, yeah. Yeah, if you, too far. If you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Oh, my gosh. That's a really hard one. I love going left, and I also love going right. Um... I want to say cloud break, but I feel like that'd be hard. I'd probably have to say trestles, honestly. Perfect trestles with nobody out. Be pretty hard to beat that. That's a good answer. Uh, best person to share a lineup with? Oh, my whole family. The best. Worst person to share a lineup with? <laughs> you're going to get me, you're going to make people hate me if I answer this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if you don't want to answer, but you probably have an answer, is my point. You're probably like, I, I know I who it is, but I'm not going to say it. I absolutely have an answer, but we'll we'll pass on that one. I don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, often, often the answer agnostic agenda is like the top 34 every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not gonna lie, there's a few on there that are yeah, they're special big wave cases. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Believe that. Last one. Okay, finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by paddling at a pipeline. <laughs> I love it. Caroline Marks, uh, absolute privilege to have you on. Extra special because it's our 100th episode. Congrats on all your success. And we really look forward to watching you here in a couple weeks on the 2022 WSL Championship Tour. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was super fun. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Florida's Caroline Marks. I hope you enjoyed it. 
episode 100 who would have thought um very much appreciate everyone's support and the dialogue throughout these shows it means a lot caroline marks and the rest of the world's best surfers will be returning january 29th in just a few days for the opening stop of the 2022 wsl championship tour the billabong pro pipeline followed by the hurley pro sunset beach the events will be streamed live on worldsurfleague.com and the wsl app do not miss it and if you haven't already and you'd like to, feel free to join the lineup Fantasy League. Go to worldsurfleague.com backslash fantasy and search for, quote, lineup pod league in private leagues. Enter the code lineup to join and we'll see you on the digital battlefield. This episode is produced by Henry Beyer, with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges those recorded and produced on the ancestor lands of the Chumash, the Kumeye, and the Wanenyo Native American people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.